0: Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about the similarities between problems facing ancient and modern cities from archaeologist and author Monica L. Smith. We'll also answer a listener question about whether you have a dominant ear.
0: Let's satisfy some curiosity. If you've ever been in a major city and gotten stuck in a traffic jam or had to deal with some other problems of urban life, then you might be surprised to learn that your modern-day problems are not necessarily unique to the modern day. That's according to today's guest for the second part of our Sunday Cities miniseries, Monica L. Smith. She's an archaeologist and a professor in the Department of Anthropology at UCLA. And she's the author of a new book called Cities, The First 6,000 Years. I asked her about when traffic and congestion started to really plague cities. And here's what she told us.
2: Well, actually, even the problems of traffic are not new. Uh, There's an ancient Roman writer, Juvenal, who talks about walking down the sidewalk and you can't move because there's a crowd ahead of you and people are poking you in the ribs. Uh, So even the problems of traffic are not uh, things that are unique to the modern world, nor are problems like trash. Uh, We are very concerned about trash and waste and recycling, and yet we forget the fact that trash is evidence of human creativity and that cities are places where people are buying and consuming and using goods at a much higher rate per capita than in rural places where there's much less variety of things to own. So you think about things like Fashion Week and fast fashion. Those are things that happen in cities because those are places where you've got a big enough population that somebody is willing to try, you know, very unusual modes of dress or uh, different kinds of handbags or shoes or home decor and things like that. So I think, first of all, we have to recognize that cities are places of creativity that come with some challenges like trash that we can then learn to manage better. Uh, So trash, transportation, infrastructure, maintenance. Everybody loves to build things. Hardly anybody loves to maintain things. And that's one of the challenges that we're facing in many of our modern cities, right? So in Los Angeles, we've got water pipes that keep exploding uh, because they're 100 years old. They have reached the end of their use life. And yet we only really pay attention to them when they fail. That is a challenge and a problem that we can surmount But it requires thinking about it differently. It requires us to keep in mind that maintenance can be just as expensive as new construction or sometimes even more expensive. So we have to accept that cost of maintenance.
1: And going back to trash, I think I've always had kind of the misconception that ancient cities maybe didn't have to deal with trash as much as we do because they didn't have plastic and things that don't break down. They used a lot of uh, natural materials. Is, Is that not right?
2: Well, you know, I can tell you that as an archaeologist, every ancient city that I have ever been to, worked at, or read about is absolutely full of trash. And so this... Consumption and disposal is not a modern phenomenon. It's an urban phenomenon. And there are places, for example, in ancient Rome, there's a site called Monte Testaccio. So Monte is a hill, right? So it's a hill, but it's entirely made of ancient pottery containers that the Romans used to ship wine and olive oil all around the Mediterranean. So basically, one of the famous hills of Rome is actually a garbage dump. Uh, This is not a new thing. Uh, People have been using and throwing away this idea of a disposable culture is something that you see in ancient cities just as much as you see in modern cities.
0: Again, that was Monica L. Smith, an archaeologist and professor at UCLA and author of the new book, Cities, The First 6,000 Years. We'll put links to find more from her in today's show notes. And next Sunday, we'll conclude our conversation by looking at how new technology is helping us understand how we can avoid repeating the mistakes of the past.
1: One solution for problems facing cities these days comes from today's sponsor, First Alert.
0: Whether you live in a city or not, there are three things every homeowner wants their home to be. Smarter, safer, and more fun. What if I told you one link by First Alert can hook you up with all three of those things?
1: Let's start by talking about your family's new best friend, the OneLink Safe & Sound. It's a hardwired smart smoke and carbon monoxide alarm with a premium home speaker, and it's Alexa-enabled, all in one sleek device. It's built with First Alert safety technology and gives you a pretty fantastic immersive sound experience.
0: The Safe & Sound elevates any home, but it gets even better than that. OneLink by First Alert also offers the OneLink smart smoke and carbon monoxide alarm that works with the OneLink Safe & Sound. It's a device that's easy to install and protects against both smoke and carbon monoxide. If smoke or CO is detected in the home, the smart alarm will notify you using exclusive voice and location technology and send a notification to your smartphone wherever you are.
1: A smart home should start with smart protection, and one link by first alert welcomes you to a smarter, safer home. For more information, visit onelink.firstalert.com. One more time, that's one We got a listener question from Min who writes. We have hand dominance and eye dominance. Do we also have ear dominance? Great question, Min. Short answer, yes, you do have a dominant ear. It turns out that most people prefer to listen to speech in their right ear. It's generally believed that your dominant ear is correlated with the side of your brain that does most of the language processing, which in most people is the left side. So the opposite side from your right ear. Both of your ears connect to both sides of your brain, but the signal is a little stronger from a given ear to its opposite brain hemisphere. Scientists have found that when they have people try to hear a word uttered with a background of white noise, they're slightly faster and more accurate when they listen with their right ear than with their left. While most of those studies were done in a lab, a study from 2009 figured this out in a real-world environment where hearing would normally be pretty difficult, a dance club. The researchers approached 160 different people in an Italian dance club and mumbled an inaudible, meaningless string of syllables. If someone said something to you in a club that you didn't understand, you'd probably turn your head, both to signal that you'd like them to repeat themselves and to better direct your ear to make it easier to hear them. That's exactly what these clubbers did. The scientists recorded which ear they offered after asking them for a cigarette. I mean, they had to say something. 58% of the clubbers offered their right ear and 42% offered their left. In another experiment, the researchers just asked people for a cigarette in either their right or their left ear and got significantly more cigarettes from the right-sided requests. Still, this is just when it comes to hearing the information content of speech. For most people, the left ear is better at discriminating more musical elements like pitch, timbre, and loudness. In the end, it all works together. Thanks for your question. If you have a question, send it in to podcast at curiosity.com. In fact, we're running a little low, so I really could use more questions from the audience. Again, that email address is podcast at curiosity.com.
0: Before we wrap up, we want to give a special shout out to Mohammed Shafaz and Dr. Mary Yancey, who are executive producers for today's episode. Thanks to their generous support on Patreon. Thank you so much. If you're listening and you want to support Curiosity Daily, then visit patreon.com curiosity.com, all spelled out.
1: Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.